The Charlotte Ledger Podcast is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network. Hey, Tony Macia with the Charlotte Ledger, and you're listening to the Charlotte Ledger Podcast. You can find out more about the Charlotte Ledger and subscribe to one of our newsletters by going to thecharlotteledger.com. Today's podcast is part of a special series we're doing in which we interview winners of the Charlotte Ledger's 40 Over 40 Awards. The recipients are people ages 40 and up who are making a big difference in the Charlotte area, people who saw a need and took action. The winners are chosen by an impartial panel of independent judges. We accept nominations in January and celebrate the winners in an in-person event in April. You can find out more about all of that at ledger40over40.com. The host of today's podcast is Steve Dunn, and his day job is a mediator who offers dispute resolution services through the Charlotte Office of Miles Mediation and Arbitration. Enjoy. Welcome to the Charlotte Ledger Podcast. I'm Steve Dunn. I'm joined today by Tim Miner, co-founder of Charlotte is Creative and co-founder and editor of The Biscuit. Welcome, Tim. Hey, Steve. How are you? I'm glad I could be here for, you know, because I'm so old. I finally <laughs> found an award that I'm suited for. All I had to do was wait four decades. Did you ever get the, the were you ever, did you ever get a 30 under 30 or a, I, or a 40 under 40? I, I achieved neither of those D goals. You know, so. I, I never did either. And I got to admit, when I was, when I was 39, I was kind of looking around and I was thinking, <laughs> You know, if it doesn't have if it doesn't have a now, like what, what's the deal? I'm I'm actually really pleased that the Charlotte Ledger oh, started this award. I was I was thrilled, right? I, and and for the first time ever, I you know one of my friends was like, uh, I think I'm going to nominate you for that award, and I was like, Well, I'm 47. You better hurry. You know, at the time, I was yeah. No, there's there's no upper limit. That's yeah. the beauty of it. <laughs> I'm really pleased that the Charlotte Ledger did this, and I think that it's it's been a good thing and. My daughter was asking me about it the other day, and I said to her, I was like, well, you know, you know, these 40 under 40 things, like, they're, they're good. But, you know, a lot of people do a lot of interesting things I, after they're 40 years old. True. I mean, that's the thing. I don't, you know, I, I think at the time I wanted 30 under 30 or 40 under 40. I don't think I'd done anything. I don't, I don't think I knew enough, right? I don't, I don't believe I had zoned in on what my purpose in Charlotte was by that time. I, I'm still working on it now, but... No, I don't. I don't think I was ready. I needed more seasoning. <laughs> I usually get to this sort of at the end of the conversation, but let's just dive right in. Like, yeah. What, what is it that you know now that you didn't know then? Oh, everything. I think patience, right, and and being letting things happen, and understanding that relationships take a lot of time. Uh, they either take. Extreme circumstances. I mean, there's some people that I have gotten to know through COVID that are as close to me now as people that I've known my entire life, or it takes time. And I, I remember quite distinctly getting a promotion when I was 24 to be a director of marketing and saying, well, that took, an, you know, this is, this has taken forever. You know, and I'd like to go back to that young man and go, you are not qualified for this job. And I'm not saying that there is no 24-year-old out there that's not Tim Miner specifically. You just mean you. I right. was precocious, right? And I, I had a lot of ideas, but I just felt like, oh, I've been slaving away. You know, I've been working so hard for 18 months. Where is my promotion? You know, and, and I think I would say, 
titles don't matter. The quality of the work matters. It's the people around you. And just slow down. Don't be so preoccupied with what's on your business card. You know, I, time seems so scarce. I think when you're younger, right. I think that, that gets a little bit to what you're talking about in terms of things taking time and using time and developing relationships over time, which is interesting because you co-founded Charlotte in is creative with your lifelong friend, Matt Olin. I did indeed. And I, I know the two of you went to high school together. Are you originally from Charlotte? No. Now, I, you know, I have my own theories about whether you can say, you know, when you can say you're from Charlotte. I'm curious uh, about this because I moved here when I was 13. Okay. So I, I was, I was four, 15. No, I'm sorry. I was 14. So right around the same time. Okay. Matt moved to Charlotte the first time around the same time. Then he moved for a year and a half and then came back. So high school years, right? My wife was born and raised in Charlotte. But for me, I got here in the, in the mid 80s, mid to late 80s. And so I, you know, can I say I'm from Charlotte? No, I was not born and raised in Charlotte, but I'm also a Navy brat. So you're not from anywhere. Like I spent, I think, four months where I was born and then moved around. So I, I kind of feel like you can claim where were the formative years? We're, we're the same. I was an Air Force brat. And so I know exactly what you're talking about. And the way that I've I'll often answer that question is to say I went to high school in Charlotte. Right. right. And I feel like that's you know, and I went to middle school in Charlotte at the junior high, as we called it in those there you days. Go. But I, I think that that counts. I tell people I've been here longer than more, you know, more than 50 percent of the skyscrapers in, in uptown Charlotte. So I've, I've also been here for the downtown, uptown, center city, uptown, center city, uptown debate. So I feel like I've been here quite a, quite a while. Yeah. Where are you on that now? I, I say uptown. Well, so, you know, I started my, my first big boy job was at Center City Partners. And I was, you know, at the meeting where they're like, let's call it Center City. I prefer I'm a classicist. So I just like downtown. Mm-hmm. I, I think that that downtown is a good that. So I, that puts me nowhere in Charlotte. Right. So generally, I'll say uptown just to kind of fit in. But I, I like the term downtown. It's understood everywhere. Down, yeah. Downtown is is understood everywhere. Uptown, uptown has this origin story that it was <laughs> it was like a corporate, like one of these corporate branding initiatives where it was like, well, downtown has a negative connotation. Right. Uptown has a positive uh, right. connotation. I'm going and, uptown. Let's yeah, put on our suits it's up. and our finery. Yeah. And there's a hill, you know, trade right. Ryan. It's the top of a hill. <laughs> so it's like you're physically going up. Right. When you go there. I don't know. I actually did a deep dive on the Charlotte Observer archives one time to see what the usage was. And there 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 are references to Uptown Charlotte like way back in the early 20th century. Right. Yeah. So I don't know exactly. Well, I think that also relates to, boy, we're really going off topic now, but I, I think that that relates to, you know, pre-suburb, right? So Uptown makes sense if the if the large percentage of the population is clustered around that one area. You need to dis- decipher, right? But once once Dilworth and Myers Park and all all that's being created kind of Uptown just differentiating between the pieces of your urban core it, it, kind of falls out of necessity well you've been around charlotte long enough suffice it to say <laughs> you've, you've been around charlotte long enough to have witnessed a lot of changes and more recently you've been you and your colleague matt have been a big part of the changes that are occurring in charlotte particularly with respect to the arts community and the way the work that you're doing through charlotte is creative to connect and support and engage that community i wonder how you describe charlotte is creative but what it does and how it does it so, you know, that's funny. That definition has kind of changed over time. But put simply, what we're trying to do is we is connect the folks that are on the earlier side of their creative journey, right? 
people that have decided they wanted to derive some or all of their income from their creative practice and connect them to the resources, the people, the promotion, the funding, the training that they need to kind of solidify their grouping of skills so they can have a successful career here with the ultimate goal that we, we want nothing less than Charlotte to be known as the destination in North America to begin to build, to grow and sustain a creative career here. And, and something that is contributes to our overall quality of life, but has a severe impact or strong and good impact on the economic life of our city. I think forever creatives have been seen and artists have been seen as kind of additive or something that adds spice to our city, but they don't get the credit for it is a path towards generational wealth and and social mobility, upward mobility. It is a it was due by goods and services. They do employ people. They do create events that draw people from outside of Charlotte to either stay here or move here. I mean, we look at how the city is marketed now, and there's been a massive shift in the last few years toward showing murals, performances, music, even down to our, our technical prowess, the you know digital creatives and what they do. I don't know that and we can get into this, but I don't know that creatives are rewarded or recognized financially for that yet. But we have seen that that is something that is a commodity, that is an aspect of our personality that attracts companies and people that want to move here. And we want to be a key partner in in kind of making those conditions even more right to dr- not only draw people, but keep them here. I think that's our biggest concern is creative retention is we don't want this to be a place where you already have to have made it in order to make it or a place where for a creative, you come, cut your teeth. And then reach a ceiling and say, I can't, I can't grow my business. I can't be who I want to be. I can't realize my potential here. And then then move to another city and say, you know, Charlotte was a great place to start, but it wasn't a great place to build. We want to keep that, that prowess here. And so how, how you do it, it seems like there's a lot of different angles through which you could approach this, but the, the sort of the, the classic stereotype is the, the artist who's really good at their creative pursuit but doesn't know so much about running and operating a business, right? right? So, you know, there's things you got to, you got to know how to get a website, how to keep a set of books, how to deal with grant applications and how to deal with corporate governance type things, having a board. What what does that even mean? Right. Is that part of what you all do? And then the other aspect of it is, is just the concept of like, where, where do you get the money? You know, there, there's, and that seems like a very, in flux kind of situation for artists these days. Like it was once the case, there's a couple different things. You, one, you could just sell your stuff like tickets or mm-hmm. uh, a product or a work of art or whatever. But then there's also the, the whole world of grants and funders and patrons and stuff like that. And that seems to be a changing landscape. And you're kind of right in the middle of, of it for both <laughs> sides, right? I, I wonder are. sort of what your thoughts are and where, you know, where we are and where it's going. Okay, so there's a lot to unpack in what you just said. One thing about where Matt and I see each other in the mix is uh, we we were, you know, he he worked on Broadway after college. You are correct that we went to high school together, we went to Charlotte Catholic High School. Then we were roommates in college. And then he went to New York to work in Broadway and he went to graduate school at Columbia. And I came to Charlotte and fell in love and wanted to just make this a better place to live. I, I decided this is where I live. This is where I'm planting my flag and let's go. And, but we were 
I went into, into a long career in marketing in Charlotte, but we joke all the time that we were a little too weird for the corporate world, but we are way too straight, <laughs> straight laced for uh, oftentimes for the creative world. And that could mean that you're nowhere, but, but being in the middle means that we often are a bridge between the two. So the question of what, let's start with kind of how we help creatives and where we're, where we're going. And then maybe we'll get into the funding because that's a, that's a big part of the, of the challenge right now. We got started, we're kind of the accidental nonprofit folks. He and I, seven years ago, got the Charlotte chapter of Creative Mornings, which is a monthly breakfast lecture series that pulls people together. And so this is a, a national or a worldwide it's an international. It's an international organization. Um, it's a voluntary thing. We, we, um, and so this was a side hustle to our normal jobs. At this point, Matt had moved back to Charlotte to be a copywriter, and I was the director of marketing for Bricks Wood Fired Pizza, which is a brand I had worked with on and off for about 20 years. And you open we, up the Charlotte chapter, uh, yeah, of, of the is creative or yeah, well, let's right? no of of creative mornings. Got so it. one creative one, mornings. Got yeah, it. Yeah, one uh, interesting thing just to note up top is creative mornings is its own organization. We had no intention when we started of of starting a nonprofit at all. We just wanted we wanted to do something that was fun for us. As you, as you know, in adult life, it can be, we can easily get stuck in that homework. You know. Wake up, go to work, come home, kiss the wife or, you know, kiss the husband, spend time with kids, go to sleep, go to work. And and I think he and I were both a little bit in that churn. And so this was just something that was going to be fun. Once a month, we get a speaker, we talk about creativity, and off you go. But But we had lived here long enough and growing up here, we had a side goal, which was just to get Charlotte to ease up on itself. Like, I think we have, there is a thing in Charlotte and and newcomers pick it up. Where it's almost in vogue to, to rip on Charlotte, to to have this, to constantly look over the hedges and say, "I wish we were more like Atlanta. I wish we were more like New York," um, and to never really credit ourselves for what is here. And then, the, and that's also chased by this drumbeat of what's our identity? What's our identity? What's our, and it's like, slow down, stop asking the question, get in your car, drive around, ask some questions, look around, listen, and you'll see the identity. But we wanted Charlotte to give itself credit for the creative undercurrent that was here. Because despite the fact from a funding standpoint or just a general notice, there were a lot of independent creatives doing some interesting work. Not as much as, I mean, we had no idea how deep the well went. He and I had a very surface level understanding of it, but enough to say, we want more people to say this. And so out of that, has now come our full-time job, which is a nonprofit called Charlotte is Creative, which we produce the Charlotte chapter of, of Creative Mornings, but it's a it's a different beast. Now the Creative Mornings, monthly getting together, yep. you've you cultivate this in, in the 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 idea of a it's sort of whimsical and lighthearted and fun. Right. Like it's fun, right? I mean we want to be yeah. Yeah. And in, consciously and intentionally so. And each week or each month, there's a, uh, a sort of a headline speaker who right. speaks on a certain topic, right? And the topic is the same everywhere. The topic is everywhere in the world. So they give you a really blank canvas and a, and a light framework to go around it at, at Creative Mornings. You know, it's a Friday, it's in the morning, and you have a speaker. That's it. Whatever's in the middle, you cultivate based on the personality of the city, the personality of the hosts or whatever. And so when Matt, I know Matt got the chapter initially, he did the work to bring it to Charlotte. Then he called me up before the first meeting and said, 
I don't know what to do. <laughs> I don't know what to do with this thing. And so we did what we'd done for so many decades is, all right, let's sit down, notepad, let's figure it out. We went to Good Food on Montford Drive, sat at the bar, and had a couple of things that we said we wanted to do, which was to, we, you know, we're real, we are realists disguised as optimists, right? I mean, we see the challenges in Charlotte, but we said, no, this is going to be a, an experience that uplifts that, that we're not going to talk about the negative things or the challenges. So, and, and grumble at creative mornings. We're going to say, Charlotte is an amazing creative city. Let's celebrate that. You know, Charlotte has a lot of breakfast lecture series. They have many speaker series, but in my experience and in Matt's, it would seem to be the same people over and over taking the stage. And we were like, let's find the diamonds in the rough. Let's find the people in Charlotte that nobody knew were here or not enough people knew were here. And that struck a chord. You know, now ultimately we call it a civics roadshow. We have live music every time. We have people show up and do lot, you know, live read commercials, 47 second pitches. We give away micro grants. We give an award called the bolt of inspiration to people that we feel are doing really creative, inspirational work. And we, we say, we sing a sponsor song instead of reading the list of our sponsors. And yeah, we want to have fun. Your sponsor song seems to me to be, first of all, what it is, is you guys each, every time, ever, do you do it every time? <laughs> it was meant it's, to go for four months and it's been almost five years. I don't even know how you miss. do it, but somehow, I guess, I guess you figured it out. You've cracked the code now, <laughs> but somehow or another, you write and perform a song every time in which you're thanking your sponsors it's usually it's a it's a it's it's a cover like right? it's a takeoff right. yeah, on it's no, like a parody I, I, version of us of an existing song so all you got to do is rewrite the words yeah neither right? matt and i are, nor i are songwriters or let's be honest singers oh, so come i think on. all you need to do it is is a little bit of wit and and, and a, willi- a willingness to to not take yourself too seriously that's right that's right and i think i think leading by example in regard to that <laughs> is a key part of the special sauce that makes it what it is right because then that yeah frees up everyone who's participating, whether they're up on stage or whether they're just talking to their neighbor next to them. I think it takes a lot of the burden of sort of formality and seriousness off well, of the thing. You've definitely divined that. I mean, I, I think with my experience in Charlotte, we tend to be very serious, you know, and and so meetings often or especially experiences like that with a central speaker and everybody in the audience tends to be people, someone talking at people and does that really penetrate, right? So for us, we joke, we, we tell people that say, well, how do you do it? Or I want to I want to have an event that's like that. I said, well, the first thing is Matt and I try, whether by happenstance or by plan, to do something self-effacing within the first three to four minutes that we're behind a microphone because that disarms the audience. First off, it says, look, we this is not, we're not here to give you perfection, you know, and we're here to be real and it's okay for you to be real. And if I'm not upset that I just made a mistake or, you know, looked foolish for a second, you shouldn't. And I think in the end, that makes people more accepting of, more ready to receive the information that's going to be coming to them off the stage that day. I think in terms of what you take away from your own work, though, also this sponsor song is such a perfect way of bridging the gap between, you know, the the creative world and sort of the the business world. And yeah. I, I know what you're talking about when you describe sort of being caught in the middle to an extent of being in a, in a room, like on a, on a board of a nonprofit or something where people will look at you and they'll think, well, oh, you're one of the suits. Right. 
Whereas in your own mind, you're like, no, hold on a minute. You know, I'm a creative right. person in my own right. You know, I've, I've got the soul of a poet over here. I'm not, you know, I'm not just that. I have some skills that I can share with you. Right. And so what, what a wonderful way to have a creative outlet while you're doing the kind of business side of connecting creative people. Well, thanks. And I, there's, a, there's another goal in there, too, is to say to, to creative people, look, it's okay. You know, it's okay to admit Wells Fargo is giving you money because they're giving you money. They're investing in you to do something of value. I, I think oftentimes we have people say, well, you guys are here to beat up the corporate community and tell them to, you know, support creatives at all costs. And we're like, you know, actually we're here. We want to impart that to both sides to say, look, you know, if you are a creative and you want to derive some or all of your money, if you want to pay for your food and your lights and all that with your creative talent, A, that's not on its face selling out. Like if you take on a project that is 180 degrees in opposition to your beliefs, yeah, you're selling out. You know, but if you work with a corporate sponsor to achieve the objective that you want, that's not selling out. But you do have to have business acumen. You know, I'll say often, this is a business town. So to not speak the language of business is like moving to another country but not knowing a lick of that other language. There's a certain type of creative who just wants money to be given with sort of no strings attached to do whatever they do simply because it's valuable in its, right. in its own and, right. And absolutely. There's a, there's a place for that. And I mean, there are business people that want to not ever have to pay taxes. Yeah, there you go. I <laughs> and mean, they'll do anything to not do that. And so. a lot of great art throughout centuries has been created sort of in that way. It's sort of like, I believe in, what, in you and right. what you do. And that's, and that's fine. That is one model. But whatever you're doing, you have to have some kind of a sense of how you're going to sustain it. And I think for the creative person, a lot of it just comes down to choices about what are you trying to do? Like, right. do, do you want, do you want to be pure and perfect in your art? Do you want to make a living at this? Those mm. are two different things. They can go together, but they don't inherently go together. No, and you don't, don't necessarily deserve for them to go together, you know, just because you're good. You, there's, there is even, if you think about people who make millions of dollars in the arts, like rock stars and right. famous artists, they didn't, none of them just created stuff and, and the world stumbled upon it and just loved it and showered gifts upon it. I mean, they all hustled, you know, right. all of them. You have to have like ability and hustle and luck <laughs> to make it big, 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 right? But you all are engaged in the project of, of helping folks, you know, maybe make it small before they make it big, right? Right. And you do that through, you mentioned the, the micro grants. Is that the HUG grants? It is. Yeah. It, what HUG, are those? So HUG stands for Helpful Unfettered Gift. Sometimes, you don't need $10,000, right? So we, in our work, had $250 extra dollars that we had brought in. And it was going to be a consistent thing. We, we knew that about every month we would have that much money. And Matt and I sat down and said, we need to mobilize this. We need to, we need to let's proof this out. You know, and we talked to some people and they said, oh, you know, $250, that's not going to do anything for anybody, right? But we said, all right, but it could boost a Facebook post. Or it could buy a piece of equipment or it could rent a studio for a couple hours. They could cut a record or it could buy a digital artist, a piece of equipment they need to do their work. And we've tried it out there at, at a creative mornings and boom, like within a month, we had enough people that had come forward saying, this is a crazy notion. Here's $250. We were giving four away a month. And what we were getting back from the people that received the money was to say, this really helped me remove one obstacle. This just got one thing out of my way. Because you and I, 
I'm sure you've had this, where you have an idea and it's going to take you a couple steps to achieve the idea. And you think about the first obstacle and you're like, oh, that's not going to work. And then it just lives in your brain and it never makes it out into the world. And so we wanted to say, what, what if we gave enough money to remove that one obstacle? And what people said was, A, it did that. But B, what it really did was to say, we believe in you. You're not nuts. And folks that have said, you know, been very successful have come back and said, that $250 changed my whole perspective on what I was doing. You know, I think about people like William McNeely, who was one of our first grantees. He has, he's the founder of the Do Greater Foundation. Our money helped him buy an iPad because he wanted to teach uh, kids in neighborhoods across Charlotte that the you know, bridge the digital divide and, and bring training to them and say, you could be a graphic designer. You could be an animator. You could be a shoe designer. And then he, he bought a van and put, you know, put that and many other iPads in it. And it, right before the holidays, he just opened up his new creative lab in the bottom of Shiloh Inst- Institutional Baptist Church. And others that just said, I just needed that push. It's a wonderful thing. It's I, I love the way that you put it about removing one obstacle that's standing in your path. And there's something about dollars are dollars. Dollars are great. But there's something about there's a, the, the difference between zero dollars and any amount of dollars is a lot greater than the difference between two different amounts of dollars. Our way at Charlotte's Creative has been to make a series of small promises with a creative and then keep them. Right. So the hug is a is oftentimes our toe in the door saying, yeah, this is a you've got an interesting way you're thinking about this. Do that. Then let's follow up. Let's write about you in our publication. Let's let's give you a thousand dollars in a year. Is that the biscuit? The biscuit. So I wanted to segue to the biscuit anyway. So (laughs) thank you for doing that for me. Let me congratulate you first on the name. I think it's the the best name. Thank uh, you very much. That you could have. So tell, tell me about the name and tell me what the biscuit is. Well, okay, so there's two, you know, anything with Matt and with me, there's there's usually multiple reasons we did something. First off, he and I love biscuits, okay? So we, going to school together, we had a tradition on Sunday morning that no matter what you did that weekend, there was a particular Bojangles just outside of Chapel Hill that you had to be at a particular time to, like, share the exploits. And you always had to get a Cajun filet biscuit combo. So we love biscuits. But Matt has a particular genius, I think, for naming things. And he didn't want it to be the Charlotte's Creative Newsletter, you know, or something like that. He said, well, let's call it the biscuit and then say, look, everything tastes better in a biscuit, you know, and there's multiple layers. So that was our way. And again, we had people going, this is doesn't mean anything. We're like, well, nothing means anything until you make it have meaning. So there have been times where like it would be a lot easier if we called this the Charlotte's Creative Newsletter. But there is a particular fondness. It's for southern. It it's, it's it was of, very southern. It's of this place. It's delicious and tasty. And I, it, it just makes you feel right. I, originally, too, the biscuit was supposed to come out on Sunday mornings. Market testing it, we didn't have high opening or open rates on Sunday morning. But it was like, hey, we want you to. This is not vital information. Like your life's not going to fall apart if you don't know about the latest cool creative thing that's happening in Charlotte. We had a sense of occasion where we're not going head to head with the business journal or with, or there was no ledger at the time. Right. Um, We want this to be additive and fun and informative to the conversation. Just sit there. It's a treat. Yeah, it's a treat and and enjoy it. Right. Take a couple of bites, a couple of nibbles here and there. And it was just, yeah, it was fun. It was fun. So it's a way, it's a, it's a way of communicating to the community sort of what's going on. Yeah. It's changed over time. I think in when we, it was not something that we wanted to, really get into. I mean, I had earlier in my career, I wanted to be a journalist and spent a lot of years in PR, but 
we were looking at at the time, you know, when we started, it was like five years ago. There was not a lot of coverage for the arts in going on in Charlotte and, and newspapers were firing, you know, or, or letting go folks that, that talked about plays or, or you know, things like that. And we had one uh, of the larger publications in Charlotte say to us, hey, we really love what you're doing. We'll probably cover you once a year. And that, and then we were like, well, we, we drew that, we extrapolated that into, well, gosh, if you like what we're doing and you know who we are, but you're only going to talk about us once a year, what about the other creatives that you don't know or that you don't like or that don't, you don't feel are going to help your click rate? And so we were like, if we want people to continue to see that Charlotte is creative and to, to make those inroads, I guess we're going to have to lead by example. So for the first, you know, two and a half, three years of what we were doing of the Biscuits Life, it was just every news story we could come up with about creative stuff in Charlotte. I'm excited to say that we have competitors. The Ledger being one of them, maybe the Ledger has done some tremendous coverage of that synthesis of business and creativity. And so we're getting scooped all the time and we're like, all right, that's that's good. We help change that conversation. So now we tend to be a little bit more about resources, ideas. We're less about uh, and and profiles of creatives, a little bit more like a digest and less like a newsletter because we don't have the staff to keep up with folks like folks like Tony and his crew and, and because that's what they do all day long. So we now want it to be a, a lot more about just sharing what's in the zeitgeist and then pointing creatives towards resources and ideas that will help them thrive. Well, you've been in Charlotte for some time, long enough now to have seen some changes. Yep. When you were in high school at Charlotte Catholic, Charlotte was a town where everything uptown shut down. <laughs> the center city shut down at five o'clock. Oh, yeah. When, when the banks closed, there wasn't any there wasn't any place to eat. Oh, that was still going on when I got out of college, too. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's different now. And you've been around. You've seen it firsthand. I wonder what you've noticed about Charlotte's growth and change. And, and I'm curious what, uh, what you see for Charlotte's future. It's been exciting. It's funny that you say that because my, my first, like I said, big boy job, yeah, I get to wear a suit, you know, was at Charlotte Center City Partners. And I was a Tryon Street mall manager, which sounds like I worked in retail, but it's just that Tryon Street quarter, everything from lights to hot dog vendors and all that. And our goal at that time, this was under Rob Walsh, was just broadcast, hey, it's a, it's safe to come uptown. You know, there's stuff you're not... You know, because that was not long after the Doug Smith article about, you know, firing a cannon down Tryon Street and nobody would be there to hear you. So it's been gratifying to see the growth there. I tell it's it, it has been very interesting. One thing that the suburban model, the suburban sprawl of Charlotte has, I think, really held us back. When I was growing up and going to high school here, I tell people there were just fewer resources. There were fewer libraries. There were fewer this. There were fewer that. And so you had to drive all over Charlotte, going to West Charlotte, East Charlotte, University City, North and South Charlotte. That was just part of the – once you have wheels and you have things to do, that, you just did that. You went to Eastland Mall. I would go have to do research papers at UNCC in high school. I don't think that people have that wanderlust in Charlotte anymore. And so there's not as much – seeing how other people live, which I think is a challenge. What I'm excited about is starting my career here in the 90s and listening to contemporaries, there was always this sense, you know, people would move to Charlotte and see it as a way station. Like, hey, I'm here two, two, three years at the bank. 
Then I get a promotion. I get to go somewhere better. And I'm excited to see a, a mindset change in, you know, when I work with Gen Z folks that move here or younger and even older millennials, there's a, there's an excitement about moving to Charlotte. There's a, they are, this is not a way station. They've heard things or the number of people that I've, I know that moved here during the pandemic because there was just something about Charlotte that drew them here. And, you know, the city is going through a cultural arts exploration. There's a, a team that's actually putting together first a report and then next a plan for the future of Charlotte arts. And one of the things that has come out of that report is that Charlotte's reputation leads arts wise outside of Charlotte is better than it. That people outside of this, of the queen city think very highly of, of Charlotte in a, in a number of ways, not the least of which is arts and culture. So I'm, I'm excited about that, but I also know that it has, to, it's something that has to be fed, right? We have to, we have to keep those folks excited and get them involved and retain them. Right. Because I think that makes so much more possible for Charlotte. Well, you're doing it, Tim. You and Matt and Charlotte is creative. You're doing it. And I imagine that there's some folks who are hearing us talk on the Charlotte Ledger podcast who would like to attend a Creative Mornings or who would like to receive the biscuit. How do they sign up? All right. Well, I could give you the whole alphabet soup of all, <laughs> all the different ways that they could do that. But let's make this more personal because I said we're, I'm in the relationship business. So. My email address is tim at charlotteiscreative.com. So if you want to come to a Creative Mornings or any of the other events we have, we have some smaller ones. If, if you're an introvert, we have a monthly event called Coffee with Creatives, which is just 12 to 15 people. We don't make you present your credentials and say you are or are not creative because we believe everybody is creative. And that's a way to just get to know people more intimately. We have other events. So if you want to be in the know or you want a ticket, email me. If you want to receive receive the biscuit, you can go to biscuitclt.com and sign up. Or if you want me to do it for you, I will happily do it again at tim at charlotteiscreative.com because that's, that's how we do it, one person at a time, one relationship at a time. Well, Tim, thanks so much for being with me today on the Charlotte Ledger Podcast. It was a pleasure. Thanks, Steve. That's it for today. The Charlotte Ledger Podcast is produced by Lindsay Banks. You can find out more about the Charlotte Ledger at thecharlotteledger.com. And you can find out more about our 40 Over 40 awards at ledger40over40.com. Queen City Podcast Network.com.